This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I interviewed Sarah, who is a gestational surrogate in Canada, who carried for Australian intended parents and gave birth to baby Logan in January of this year. Sarah is able to give us some insight into what it's like being a Canadian surrogate uh, for international intended parents and how you can actually have a really great relationship even when you are separated by long distance. I'm going to hand over now to Sarah. Uh, so my name is Sarah and I'm a um, surrogate from Canada. Um, I came to be a surrogate, um, actually it was over a long process of time. I originally knew I wanted to be a surrogate not long after my second child was born, um, when I was in my early 20s, about 22. Um, and I looked into egg donation and I looked into surrogacy, but the partner that I was with at the time was not incredibly supportive of the idea. Um, so I sort of left it on the back burner for a while. Um, and then there were things in my life that prevented me, like I went back to school. And um, I think it's one of those situations where the timing has to be perfect for you. And um, I finally came back to surrogacy in 2016. Um, my partner at the time, I had discussed it with him when we had first met and he wasn't um, against the idea, but he certainly needed um, more information. So something we discussed a few times over a couple of years, talked to other people who had been surrogates. Um, and then in the fall of 2016, um, this agency in Canada that I was familiar with was running an information night where you could speak with a surrogate who is currently pregnant, um, people who are doing domestic, people who are doing international, um, you could bring your partner. So we attended that and actually took a couple of friends with me. Um, and we came out of that meeting pretty sure that it was something we wanted to pursue. Um, I came into it with a different perspective of who I thought I wanted to carry for than, than who I ended up with. Um, so that was a little bit of a, a learning curve for me, um, coming into it thinking I wanted one thing uh, and then looking at profiles. So in Canada, with the agency that I'm with, is <clears throat> the way it works is that you kind of let them know what you think you want in an intended parent. So the type of relationship that you're hoping for, um, whether you're looking for like if, whether it matters to you if it's like a homosexual or heterosexual couple, whether it matters to you if they have children currently or not, um, just those types of things. And then the agency will send you profiles of people they think would be a good match for you. Um, and then you can get introduced to as many of them as you like and spend some time getting to know them, usually one at a time. Um, and then you make the decision about your whether you're looking to move forward. So I met um, where I reviewed the intended parents that I ended up matching probably late September, early October, and uh, formally matched with them about a month later. So that would be Rachel and Craig, and they're an Australian couple. So when you uh, received the profile for Rachel and Craig, did you really think that you would end up doing it for somebody in another country? Um, it wasn't something I wasn't, I was too sure about when I first started the process. Um, it definitely presents some unique challenges in terms of getting to know uh, the people that you're carrying for. I wasn't super convinced that you could build a strong relationship um, over a long distance like that. I turned out to be very wrong, but we'll get to that later. Um, and it's something I thought about, like whether I wanted to stay domestic. So I, it was something I brooded over a little bit. Um, but when I saw Rachel and Craig's profile um, and with my partner, it was almost an instantaneous, like these people are like carbon copies of us across the world. So it was crazy to me how similar we could be to someone that like lived on a, the different side of the planet. Um, but just everything about their family was very similar to ours and it made me definitely want to get to know them. So um, 
yeah, I don't, I think that was what scared me, like, or made me come back from being scared about international. It's just how similar we seemed to be before I even started talking to them. Um, what was Rachel and Craig's story? Why did they need a surrogate? Um, so Rachel uh, had basically a traumatic birth with her second, so she has two sons, um, they're, teenager, they're teenagers, and with her second birth, um, I, I believe this is what happened, but she had prolapsed uterus, which required a um, full hysterectomy. So she still had uh, ovaries and eggs, but she no longer had a uterus. Um, and I believe there were also some additional health struggles, but I don't know the details of that. Um, so that required her to have a surrogate if it was something that she wanted to do to have another child. Um, and Craig obviously was the stepfather to her children, but didn't, doesn't have any of his own. Okay. And did they create embryos in Canada or were they created elsewhere and transported in? Uh, no, they created them there, um, they, I believe in Melbourne, um, and it was because they weren't totally sure what they wanted to do, so they kind of created the embryos so that um, they had them available to them if they did decide to somehow pursue, I think, I think they knew surrogacy was their only option, um, but I don't think they were sure they wanted to do it, so they made the embryos, they ended up with four. Okay, and then in terms of you guys building a relationship, how did you do that? So um, we got introduced to each other through the agency first by email, just kind of give us a contact point. Um, and it was, you know, filled with suggestions about how to get to know each other. Um, and then we had a Skype um, call almost right away. Uh, so I believe the first Skype call was mostly just me and Rachel. Um, I think that Craig and Mike were both there kind of in the background, but primarily uh, it was Rachel and I that that we're doing communicating um and it was amazing like obviously we were both incredibly nervous but after about five minutes it felt like i had known rachel my whole life so um yeah. it was crazy to me how smoothly that yeah it was crazy to me how smoothly that went like um we went from being nervous and barely having anything to say and then five to ten minutes later we were like laughing and like telling our life stories like it was no big deal and we'd known each other forever Oh, that's lovely. Did the agency have to sort of facilitate you having particular discussions before you were able to go ahead? Um, so yeah, they do have a lot of topic recommendations. Um, and then of course, there's always legals to make sure that you've covered everything that you should have discussed prior. Um, it can make obviously legals a bit more difficult if you haven't had those conversations before you get to legals. Um, so what ended up being slightly ironic is that I ended up working um, for the agency not long after I matched with Rachel and Greg. So I had the advantage of um, working in the industry and kind of knowing the things that we should talk about just because I was also in my role introducing other surrogates to their intended parents. Um, so I was facilitating those conversations myself. So I had a pretty good grasp on what we should talk about. Yeah, of course. So did you meet them in person before you went ahead with the transfer? So I didn't. And if I had one, my journey was, was pretty incredible. And if, but if I could change one thing, that would be what it was. And it's not because, um, there was anything that went wrong. Um, it just gave me a level of hesitation through the entire pregnancy. Um, we got along incredibly well, um, over the phone, but over Facebook or whatever method we were using to communicate. Um, however, we did have a plan to meet at the ultrasound. Um, and it is quite expensive to travel uh, between the two places. Um, that just didn't work out um, during the birth because as it stood, I met Rachel and Craig in person for the first time three days before Logan was born. Oh, wow. So, 
Okay, yeah. well, that's quite incredible. So, it, I mean, it's it's amazing that you can still build a relationship over social media and, and Skype and still have that closeness, I guess, even though you hadn't met in person for so long. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was in our intentions um, at the beginning of the relationship that we would speak frequently, um, but we always assumed it would be weekly or bi-weekly um, and quite naturally developed into something more like every day. Um, and there are, you know, issues with the, the time zones. Um, however, it just got to be natural that she would just kind of shoot me a message either in the morning or before bed and I would answer her whenever I had a chance. Very rarely like a live conversation, um, but we definitely always spend time to talk to each other. And then usually what would happen is early morning for me, late night for you guys is when we would have our like calls, our set calls and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. Okay. So tell me about the birth of Logan. Okay, yeah, I can definitely do that. So, um, I know I actually just to backtrack a little. Well, I think one of the reasons that we were able to develop such a close relationship is it definitely wasn't a super easy journey. Um, they had four embryos. We had um, a failed transfer the first time, um, which is a fairly normal part of the process, but still hard. Um, the second uh, embryo did take, and we made it to about nine weeks, but the whole time uh, things were very unstable. So it was a cautiously optimistic situation um, and then when we transferred Logan I we actually thought he was we would have an embryo left um, however they lost one in thaw so when I went into transfer for the third time we found out that it was their last embryo so it was a very stressful two weeks um, however I, I think that the whole that whole situation made this the success um, just that much sweeter um, and it also gave us an opportunity we went through you know both positives and negatives together so I think that really built us towards a really strong relationship mm -hmm. um, and despite the fact that I only met them three days before Logan's birth there was no um, nervousness by that point so um, my pregnancy with Logan was really great the only issue that I had was um, an issue with too much fluids um, which is not a major thing, but it can cause issues during birth. So Logan was an induction. Um, so we went into the hospital uh, late afternoon. Um, took a, quite a while for things to get going, um, as inductions tend to do. Um, but he was delivered uh, without issue um, at about four, four or five o'clock in the morning, which everybody was grateful for because it meant he had the same birthday in both countries. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, which we almost ran out of time. Like we were almost at the end of when that would have been true. Mm. Um, and it was an, it was an amazing experience. Rachel was there um, watching everything. Craig didn't come over until it was time to cut the cord, but he was in the room. Um, and my partner was there and uh, everything went very smoothly. So it was pretty incredible. That's lovely. How long did they stay in Canada afterwards? Um, a little bit less than two weeks. Uh, their lawyer was working very, very hard to get them home. Um, and the only reason it was kind of a rush is because they do have two boys. Uh, so, I mean, I think they would have been happy to stay a little longer, um, but they were very anxious to see their boys. And obviously the boys were very anxious to meet their brother. So I want to say, yeah, I want to say they were in Canada about 15 days total, three days prior to the birth and then the rest following. Okay. So, and what was that like for you seeing them off um, so sh soon after the birth? Um, we actually had a really good plan while they were there where they stayed at um, a, a hotel, well, it was an Airbnb apartment not far from the hospital where I delivered, which was about 45 minutes from where I live. So we would do um, visits uh, usually every 24 to 48 hours. So I'd give them some time, downtime with the baby, some time to recover. Um, and then I would go and get them and take them out or bring them to my house. 
Um, they met a lot of our family and friends. We did gatherings. Um, also, it was winter. Like, they'd never experienced a Canadian winter, so they were housebound. So it got them a little bit out, so they weren't stir-crazy. So mm -hmm. I did get to spend a lot of time with them before they left. Um, I also did things to speed up their ability to leave. Um, so I did um, help get their legals going a little faster, which was, it was a little bit hard for me to help them go home faster, but I also really wanted them to be able to see their family. So um, the whole process of them leaving, the day they left was the hardest. Uh, but I like to say like, it wasn't hard in the way that I think people were expecting it to be hard for me. Um, obviously people have their preconceived notions about that moment where you, you know, the baby goes to their parents. Um, that moment was not hard at all. The hardest moment for me was dropping them off to leave. And it wasn't a sadness in of like any attachment to Logan. It was like a piece, like a part of my family was leaving or like if family had visited for a while and they were going home or a friend was moving away, like that type of sadness. I knew I would miss them a lot, but we stay in contact a lot and I get pictures and videos of Logan constantly. Um, and I was able actually to see them a lot sooner than I was expecting, but it was, because so uh, you've recently been in Australia for the surrogacy conference. What was it like was. seeing Logan? Amazing. And I got to see his, uh, his whole family and where he lives and their home and their family and friends and all the people that I heard from and saw pictures of throughout his pregnancy. Um, so I got to meet them all in person. So that was a pretty incredible experience. That's lovely. And do you, you still have lots of contact with um, all of them now? I do. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's one of the most important things when we, when I was talking um, to the surrogates there that I met and the differences between Canadian and Australian um, surrogacy and the difference between carrying domestic and international is that no relationship is going to be the same. So having solid, rigid expectations isn't going to do you any good. Um, I think just allowing that relationship to develop naturally in whatever way works best for everybody is the easiest way to go about it. And I think because we didn't have those expectations, even for following, we knew we would stay in touch. We never set rigid guidelines around that. And, you know, we just stay open and honest with each other about when we're busy and when we can talk and when we can't. And I don't think there's been any kind of issues on either side because of it. Um, what was the fourth trimester like for you, given that Logan wasn't nearby? Um, it's, I kind of threw myself into work. So I went right back to work about two, two and a half weeks after he was born. Um, by choice, I, I wanted to be back at work. Um, but it's amazing how quickly your body can forget that you've had a baby. So seeing him and him being so tiny late, like four months later, was kind of a shock to my system to put that into perspective perspective that I had just had a baby four months ago. Um, it's it, without that baby to care for the recovery is incredibly uh, different. Um, you feel better so much faster. Uh, my partner was amazing in staying with me uh, the first couple days after delivery. And then after that, it was just about, you know, resuming my life and trying to find what I was going to focus on now that that pregnancy was over. Mm. Uh, are you planning any more surrogacies? I am. Um, I am currently looking for a match um, and I'm doing my best to keep an open mind to not compare anything to the journey that I've already had, which is a tricky thing for a surrogate if you've had a very, a very positive experience um, because you think they're you know, it needs to be like this, but it doesn't. There are many ways to have a positive journey. So right now I'm just taking my time and trying to keep my head on straight about things. And um, yeah, so I am looking to rematch now, but I'm not in any particular hurry. <laughs>
Did you have anything that you took away from the Australian Surrogacy Conference about how it might be different in Australia compared to how it is in Canada? Um, yeah, it was actually shocking to me how similar um, that it was. I was expecting there to be a lot more differences. Uh, they are both very altruistic. Um, the relationship is very important to the surrogate, so those things are very similar. Um, I think the biggest difference is just the the rigidness around reimbursements and what that looks like, but that's definitely a whole different debate. But I do find that um, the surrogate the type of relationship the surrogate is hoping to get out of the surrogacy is very similar in both countries. And I think that's why a domestic match with, despite the difference in like travel is very similar. I think if you match Canadian and Australians, the relationship expectations I think are similar other than them not being in person. Because we don't have any agencies in Australia, what is, how, how do the Canadian agencies support their intended parents and surrogates through the process? So, yeah, I think that I think that's definitely the major difference that I saw um, between the Australian and Canadian surrogacies. And I know that you guys have your there are reasons that you don't have agencies there. Um, I think so. The the agency is responsible for keeping everything on track and moving smoothly for both sides of the match, um, as well as ensuring that everybody feels very supported. So they're responsible for um, ensuring everybody has contact with everybody they need to have contact with. So they support um, counseling throughout the journey and up to six months postpartum on both sides, um, intended parents and, and surrogates. Um, they also, you know, set them up with the appropriate lawyers who have experience in the field and um, they can help set up egg donation. They can help set up life insurance. Um, they basically will get you in contact with every um, individual and professional that you need throughout the journey. And then for the surrogates, there's a real push uh, for a sisterhood community, which amazingly you guys have in Australia uh, entirely voluntarily. Uh, I know that you don't have the agency support, so it's a little bit stronger here in terms of they run retreats, um, they get together the surrogates as often as possible, um, because I think, you know, there's nobody out there who can support you as well as someone who's been through the experience themselves. And they are really working on building that for the intended parents as well. So they do um, some intended parent retreats, although those don't happen as often, I don't think. Um, and they have a really strong online community for the surrogates, which they're building for the intended parents. Um, and then each intended parent and surrogate has their own support person. Um, so their go-to person for any questions or concerns along the way on either side, they always have someone that they can call who will put them in touch with whoever they need to get in touch with um, or help support them, um, even in communication between the intended parent and the surrogate. Um, if they're having a communication breakdown, we will assist with that. Um, and then also with the clinics themselves too. Thank you yeah. for that, Sarah. That was really, really helpful. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? It's just, it's really important for both the surrogate and the intended parent, uh, for both sides of that to really, you know, honor and respect each other coming into uh, the relationship, spend that time really making sure that it's a good match for you. Um, I listened to a few of your podcasts and I think that message is a really strong one and it's really important. I know it's a very exciting idea, um, but making sure that you have that right match is going to affect every aspect of your journey. So if you're going to take your time anywhere, that's where you need to take your time and just really make sure that you are honest with yourself about what you need um, and with your intended parents about what you need and, and the same on, that, on their side to be honest with you about what they need and to make sure that you're really finding a relationship that's going to with stand any bumps that may come along the way. That was the Australian Surrogacy Podcast and my interview with Sarah from Canada. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram 
and on Facebook and at sarahjefford.com.